everyone, and welcome back to Wanna Know Idaho from Boise State Public Radio, the podcast that explores the curious elements of life in Idaho. I'm Frankie Barnhill. For this last episode of this chaotic, stressful year that was 2020, we want to bring you along on a reporting trip to learn about one of the most peaceful and relaxing things in Idaho's geography, hot springs. I'll let podcast producer Molly Wampler take over from here. Ted Isley moved to Idaho in 1980, and when he first found out that our state buildings, like the Capitol and the state Supreme Court, were heated using geothermal, he had one thought. I thought that was really fascinating. It is. But it always was curious to me that that there wasn't more discussion of that. I think the fact that Idaho's geothermal use isn't talked about much kind of adds to the mystery and intrigue. Ted had a lot of questions about our state's geothermal systems. I would just like to know more about not only how the water is utilized for heating in an an efficient and cost-effective manner, um, what kind of money that that may save the state of Idaho. Is there a danger of the resource being overutilized? But it just seems like like it's kind of a special and somewhat unique thing that uh, unfortunately doesn't get talked about very much. To summarize... What is the deal with geothermal? I'm John Chatburn, and I am the administrator of Governor Little's Office of Energy and Mineral Resources. Ted and I started by learning more about the state's system. The Capitol Mall geothermal system was brought online in 1982, and it heats 11 buildings or parts thereof in the Capitol uh, Mall here in Boise. And... To answer Ted's question, how much money does the state save with this system? The closest that uh, I could come on a back-of-the-envelope type calculation, just looking at the cost of the natural gas versus the geothermal, uh, the state saves somewhere in the neighborhood of $162,000 a year in heating the uh, buildings within the Capitol Mall. Fair enough. Ted and I had some other questions about geothermal, and for those... John connected us with a colleague at the Idaho National Lab. My name is uh, Dr. Travis McLean. I'm a research scientist at the Idaho National Laboratory and uh, laboratory relationship manager. I work in the Environmental Energy Science and Technology uh, Directorate here at the Idaho National Lab. Travis is apparently the person to talk to about the nitty gritty of geothermal. So we started with the basics. Travis says there are two main ways of using geothermal sources for energy. I'll start with direct use. And here's a fun fact. We have the oldest direct use geothermal system in the entire world um, in Boise. Direct use is what I've always thought of as geothermal heating. We run pipes from the underground source to houses, or in Idaho's case, the government buildings in downtown Boise. Pipes full of hot water heat the building directly. But... In the early days of the operation of the direct use system in Boise, the the water was brought to the surface, it was utilized, and then it was just allowed to flow into the Boise River. As the geothermal system continued to be exploited, that is more and more water was brought to the surface and utilized, people started noticing a pretty substantial drop in the uh, groundwater levels. They were actually drawing down the water table and it wasn't being replenished. And in fear of permanent degradation, a number of organizations actually filed suit. And at that point, the the city, one of the mitigation strategies that that came into play there was the city drilled an injection well 
Um, and that injection well took that water after it was utilized and re-injected it or, or allowed it to flow back into the subsurface to then uh, to recharge the aquifer to be reheated and to be reutilized. Today, Boise geothermal systems use what Travis calls a closed loop system. That is, the same amount of water that's extracted from the underground water table is re-injected after it's used for heat. This direct use system is the first way of using geothermal sources, and it's only used when the hot groundwater is below boiling. But there are a lot of underground geothermal reservoirs that are way, way hotter. This is the second kind of geothermal. Those are places where the, like in Yellowstone, where the temperatures are so high that the state of water is as a steam. We drill wells down into that, into the zone. We capture that steam. We bring it to the surface near a turbine. We then, we release the pressure and it drives a turbine. And boom, energy we can use. Travis says this process is pretty similar to how we get energy from coal or gas or even nuclear. In all these cases, and actually most obviously with wind energy, we've figured out how to harness energy using turbines. There are always some consequences of whatever energy resource we decide to utilize. But on a kilowatt to kilowatt basis, comparing them across the spectrum, geothermal energy has one of the smallest footprints and it has one of the least environmental impact aspects of, of, of any of the energies, not just renewable energies. But if geothermal is so clean and reliable, why isn't it everywhere, especially in a place like Idaho, where geothermal is right below us? It was placed on the same footing in terms of energy tax credits and incentives that wind and solar are. You would have a renaissance of geothermal utilization in this country for which we've not seen in the life cycle of, of geothermal energy. Apparently geothermal, like a lot of cleaner energies, isn't too profitable. It costs the same amount of money to drill that well as it does to drill an oil and gas well. Yet the amount of energy you can recover from it is significantly less. You know, a, a barrel of boiling water is maybe worth fractions of a dollar. Even a barrel of oil at today's prices is worth, you know, $40 a barrel. But even so, Travis believes in geothermal. And it's not just because I work in the geothermal field. I, I actually work across the energy spectrum. But geothermal represents one of, the, one of the tightest and niftiest ways in which we can extract energy from the earth in a renewable fashion without either polluting the environment, the atmosphere, the ground, or the water around us. Travis isn't sure if policymakers will come around to the idea of incentivizing companies to drill geothermal wells anytime soon. So if wells are out of the question? Really the sweet spot for the future of geothermal energy is you know, the global adoption of, of direct use. So it sounds like geothermal energy might not just be a footnote in history. It might be a very big part of our renewable energy future. My, my optimistic self would like to think that that's, that's true, but we're going to have to change the paradigm. We're going to have to move geothermal energy from a boutique Western energy resource to a, an energy resource that has application across the nation and globe for that matter, so that people who are in, in places where they can make decisions actually will promote the kinds of legislation and policy that is needed to make those changes. So the next time you take a dip in an Idaho hot spring, maybe this will give you something to think about. Totally. I mean, I knew Idaho was famous for its hot springs, but I didn't really realize how much of an energy resource we were sitting on. 
That actually reminds me, there was this great clip from Travis's interview that I couldn't fit into the episode, but it needs airtime. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Talking about uh, geoscience is a lot like talking about my grandkids. I kind of get excited and, uh, <laughs> and, and, and the stories may be only personally uh, exciting to me, but I, but I hope the, the message that uh, geothermal and Idaho go hand in hand. Want to Know Idaho is a production of Boise State Public Radio. Our theme music is by Boise Music Project, Up Is The, Down Is The. You can find his music on Bandcamp. This episode was produced by Molly Wampler. You can catch up on past Want to Know Idaho episodes by going to boisestatepublicradio.org and clicking the podcast tab. While you're there, you can also let us know what you are curious about. What gem state question should we look into next? That's up to you.